Thank you for tuning in to In the Vine Dating Podcast. Today, we'll be continuing our newest segment called Who's in the Vine, released every Monday, where Melissa will be interviewing different guests to talk about the questions you ask. And remember to follow up every Thursday, where we will further discuss any questions or responses you may have. Please enjoy, and don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Who's in the Vines Monday episode. We are so excited to introduce our guest to you today. So, um, you know, we've gone through the men, right? We've interviewed A-Rob, Andre, Dusko, and it's been so awesome. But now, here with us today, I have Pastor Linda P. Lynn, Linda (laughs) Enos. And she might as well be the fifth person on our panel because we drop her name all the time. I'm sure many of you are going to be so familiar with her. And so we're excited to be able to share the wisdom of Linda Enos. (laughs) Oftentimes, um, we call her the voice of reason. And so because that's really what she is. And so we're so excited for us to be able to share her voice with the world. Um, And so, Lynn, hi. Hi. Thank you. How do you feel? Are you feeling good? That sounds like a lot of pressure. (laughs) It's not. It's not, I promise. But don't mess up. Uh, Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, So tell us a little bit about yourself, what's going on in your life right now. Well, um, so I am really excited because we're in our new church building. And after 23 years of pastoring and 35 years of ministry in general, um, this is our first major church property. We've obviously rented through the years. And our last property we owned. But it wasn't a full, right. full church sanctuary built out and everything. So this has been a really exciting time in the last two months. Um, I chaotic. Am a, very chaotic. <laughs> very chaotic. I'm a mother of four adult children, three grandchildren, a dog named Mambo, and... <laughs> the star of the show. <laughs> <laughs> the most important person around here. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. Uh, he just knows how to keep a secret. That's, yes. That's the thing. Yes. And just excited about growing the church and the new faces that have been around and just keeping us really busy. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it has been super busy, but it's very good busy. Um, okay, so to our listeners, something that we're going to do for the month of December is um, we're finally going to take the time to interview the girls and I. So I'm going to interview Shekinah, um, Denise, Yessi, myself. And so, but we thought before awesome. doing that, we just thought it was appropriate to interview Pilin in order to start that off. And so the reason for that is because, like I mentioned, we <laughs> refer to her wisdom a lot, right? Um, and not only that, but it just seemed appropriate. So thank you, Pilin, for being here with us today. Oh, thank you. Of course. So I'm going to ask you a few questions. Okay. Okay. Um, I have to ask you this question that Denise it was the first one she shut out. And so the question is, why are you so awesome? back to no pressure no actually thank you I appreciate that I don't think I'm so awesome but I do think that over the years uh, I've learned a lot of things and not just because you know life has been easy but I think it's because life has been very difficult at times and not to be woe is me or feel sorry for myself but it was a lot of really good life lessons it was a lot of like Rob and I have said many times of learning what not to do early in ministry and and by learning what not to do and the consequences of that and the hurt of that sometimes, it's just given us wisdom. It's taught us how to rely on God when it seemed almost impossible yeah. to keep going. And yet we kept going, um, again, not out of perfection, but out of, well, we learned what not to do. So let's kind of do the opposite. And, and God has blessed that. Yeah. And I, com- I mean, for me, myself, being just part of the church, right, that's one of the things that definitely drew me in is the ability to make mistakes, right? And so, and of course, every, all different mistakes have different consequences. It's not like a, just run wild and see what (laughs) happens, right? Right. Um, But I think, uh, because as I mentioned before, growing up in the church, I've definitely experienced a lot of different leadership. And it was always, the mistakes were very covered, right? And so, of course, there's wisdom in some of that. But um, I think what drew me to this church was that it just, it was very authentic, right? It's like, you know, mistakes do happen and you do make mistakes and we will make mistakes. And I remember one of the most things that, like one of the most um, marking things that made me like really trust you and A-Rob was, A-Rob himself was from the from the pulpit. He's like, you know, at one point, this honeymoon face is going to wear off <laughs> and you're going to see us for what we are, right? And you're going to see the mistakes and you're going to see our shortcomings. Yeah. He's like, and in that moment, 
just remember that it's not us, right? It's the yeah. Lord. And so that's always been big. It's like through your imperfections, you always do your best to connect us to God because ultimately uh, men, men, people fail us. For so, sure, for sure. And that can be a testament to any relationship and leadership at church, um, relationships with the significant other, relationships with yeah. husbands. Like it's a whole thing, right? If you learn it in one area, you can definitely apply it in other areas. Absolutely. Um, okay, so the first real question <laughs> is, what age should you consider? would you consider to be appropriate to start dating? Honestly, I think that that dynamic depends on the family. Like, I don't like to be the person that tells people how to run their lives, right? There's some basic principles. Um, I, at least in our household, we didn't, um, we didn't condone or approve of dating before graduating from high school. Mm -hmm. uh, and the reason is, isn't because we were trying to be a killjoys. The, the reason God gives us boundaries is because he wants to protect us. Because yeah. once you start to become involved in relationships and romance and this and that, it really does consume a big part of your life, no matter what age you are. Yeah. So when you start, say, dating 14, 15 years old, you know, and, and I've heard Christian parents, and they're always oh, just, it's just so cute. And, mm -hmm. you know, they love Jesus and they're holding hands. And, but the reality of it is, is a 14, 15 year old is, first of all, nowhere near <laughs> ready to get married. Right. Um, they barely know what they want for their own life. And if you're hold, even if it is meant to be, you're 14, 15 years old and, you know, oh, well, they're holding hands. They're, you know, not doing anything sexual, so yeah. to speak. But what? You're not ready to get married? So let's say on the young age, especially nowadays, what, 20, 19, 20, 21 yeah. years old, which is when people my age were getting married, but that's yeah. not the norm. You're going to hold hands for five, six right. years. Like, if you're human and you have hormones, it doesn't matter how holy you yeah. are. And I've had people tell me, oh, well, you know, I grew up in the world and it's different for my kids because they love Jesus. And I actually just recently had a conversation with someone saying, look, I'm kind of the, the benchmark for that because I grew up loving Jesus. I grew up saved. I was filled with the Spirit, went to Bible, was headed to Bible college, did all the right things, had every passion to serve the Lord. Um, quite frankly, more on fire than any kid that I'm around right now. And on top of that, I was terrified of my mother that she would kill me <laughs> if I did anything wrong, right? And yet, if you left me in a situation long enough, something bad would have happened yeah. because I'm human and because I have hormones, yeah. right? So despite the fact that I was on fire for Jesus, despite the fact that I had strict parents and my relationship with God had nothing to do with my, with my parents, it was truly my passion for yeah. him. And yet I know that if I'd have been left alone wrong, long enough with Rob when we were dating, things would have happened, yeah. right? So having this perspective that, oh, as godly kids, my kids won't do that, I don't think is realistic. Right. Um, so I, I think that at least until high school. Yeah. I, and I mean, or after high school, should I say. now that I'm not in high school, right, it's easy <laughs> for me to be like, oh, yeah, totally. For sure. Yeah, for sure. But because, I mean, obviously, you know, seeing the teens around here and just seeing teenagers outside in general, I'm like, you know, that is a very hard thing. But I think the discipline of controlling yourself in that way is much better than the sorrow of not controlling yourself. Absolutely. You know what I mean? And so Absolutely. Um, I know that there's been people here in that church that have honored that kind of advice and it's worked out for them, like Karina and Jonathan, right? Like, which I'm sure um, we'll hear more about as the show goes on, but just seeing like that kind of um, testimony and all that goodness, like it really just makes it, makes it like it's definitely worth it, you know? Yeah. Um, next one is, I really like this one um, just because I think it brings in a, a great perspective. So, you know, we push for traditional gender roles as far as like the man being the one to provide, going to work yeah. and all these things. And we understand the importance of staying at home for a wife, for a woman. However, so this question is, does, does being a biblical wife mean staying home and taking care of the house? But um, if so, what if I have goals outside of that? It's a really great question. I don't think that serving God as a woman, as a woman of God, as a wife, means you shouldn't have goals. But I think that sometimes we fast forward life and we think everything needs to happen at once, right? Mm -hmm. The Proverbs 31 woman who Jen is the standard she did all kinds of things. She ran her household. She did run business. She was a woman of, you know, of character. Yeah. 
But I think that time and place, when my kids were little, when you have toddlers, that is your first and primary responsibility. Mm -hmm. The reality of it is, is that there isn't, between birth and four or five, depending on which studies you look at, that's really when a child's character is developed. That's really when their personality is developed, um, even more so than character. It's more, I guess, personality yeah. and, and who they are. And if we're putting them in daycare for all of those hours a day and we bring them home to give them a bath and put them to bed, you train up a child in the way they should go. How do you do that when they're with somebody else? Somebody else is shaping and developing their personality, yeah. shaping and developing who they are as a person. Mm -hmm. um, and do we want to delegate that to somebody else? To put your life on hold, so to speak, as the modern world would tell right. you, which I don't think it's putting your life on hold. It is part of your life. Yes. Um, I don't think should be a sacrifice. I think if you want to have a family, that's the Bible even tells us. Men and women, your first responsibility is to your family. Yeah. Um, there's plenty of time to do other things. I've done lots of things in my life, but my kids always came first, mm -hmm. right? I figured out how to be able to, nowadays it's even easier to work from home. There was, I do a little side gig here and there, yeah. but never at the expense of my kids. There was a season where I went to work full time, but it was because my husband was put in a position where he was gonna stay home full time. Mm -hmm. So it's, I don't think it's purely a feminine issue, it's yeah. a parental issue. Right. Yeah. So because Rob stayed home with the kids and did homeschooling and all of that, just it's a long story, but due to circumstances, I went to work for a few years full time and, but they still had their parent, right? right. Their, who they were was developed by us as their parents. Yeah. And then when I was able to come back home, I did so as soon as possible. And our kids were raised, you know, with us. Yeah. And I'm not saying I never left them with a babysitter overnight or with a but that was because they were with us 24-7. Yeah. And we went away for our anniversary, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If anything, my kids are going to go to therapy because my parents wouldn't leave us alone. <laughs> Not because they felt neglected. <laughs> but anyways, back to your original question. Yeah. I think that, that it's seasons. I think that when your children are small, your season is to make sure that you do whatever it takes for you to take care of them. Well, I make enough money that they have great daycare. The lady at the daycare didn't give them. And I'm not trying to make single moms feel bad or parents right. who are truly in a in a harsh situation. The Bible says that when you're when you're a widow or or you fatherless, that God steps in. Yeah. So I don't want to sound so legalistic and harsh and go, oh my gosh, if a if a woman has to work outside of the home, you know, she's doomed. But I think the vast majority of people that do that, it's because they want more stuff or because they yeah. want to live easier. It's less about need. Yeah. If you're in that situation of need, you have a community around you. If you have a good church, you have a community around yeah. you that's helping you to raise your children. But if it's simply choice, which I, so many women just are like, eh, I've had unbelievable amounts of women go, oh my gosh, I could never stay home and take care of my children. <laughs> Although they were financially able to, they chose not to. That's delegating your God-given responsibility to another human being. You're paying somebody like you would to clean your house to take yeah. care of your children. That's not okay. That, um, that's really good. And there's a lot of actually, a lot of veins that I can follow with that. And so my first one is um, that I would like to ask is what kind of pushback have you seen when it comes to that? Because I remember like I have a friend in mine in particularly when she first came in, she's like, I'm never going to do that. I'm never going to be a stay-at-home wife. <laughs> I'm never going to say. And so now I was like, yeah, okay. Like you just, because you know, there's certain points where it's not your job to convince people For because sure. their hearts change over time, right? Yeah. And so then how have you, like, how have you handled that pushback? Because I know that's a cultural thing. Yeah. Right? It's it's a stronghold, really. Like, I remember seeing, um, I think Candace Owens covered this, of this lady, famous actress, and she was um, giving thanks for this award that she had gotten. And at the same time, she was saying, like, pretty much saying, I'm so grateful that I decided to go through with an abortion, which is horrific. Because if I hadn't, I wouldn't be here holding this in this moment. Oh. And so I think about, I honestly think about that almost on the daily because I'm like, wow, like, terrible. Here you are holding this trophy, yeah. right? That's going to, at some point, you're not going to want it up on the mantle because the decoration is <laughs> going to change, right? Right. Um, and saying that this trophy was worth it, this recognition was worth it for you to do that to your child. And the world has done that, like, it's just, attacked the woman's 
identity and nurturing nature, right? Um, so I'm so interested in hearing like the pushback that you've gotten and how you've seen God move in people's life who have, be, who have been obedient to that calling as a mother. Yeah, well, look, I learned a long time ago that no matter what I said or what stance I took, people were going to not like it. Mm. So I had to learn to not be moved by people's opinions. I try not to tell people how to live their life. I know people think that I'm, I'm being, um, I don't know, like I'm not being genuine when I say like, look, if it was me, yeah. and I'll answer X, Y, Z question. If it was me, this is how I would do it. And the reason I do that is because is not because I'm trying to be manipulative or controlling. It's because it's really the only answer that I can give people. If it was me, and these are the valid reasons why I do. When I homeschooled, well, do you think I should homeschool? Absolutely. Nowadays, even more so than when my kids were little. Yeah. Um, when I did it, it wasn't as common. Now the numbers are growing. So I had tremendous pushback um, that I was going to break my children and they were going to be unsociable and mm. whatever. Uh, it's kind of been a benefit that now they're all adults and they've all lived in different states and traveled the world and have careers. Yeah. I don't think they're awkward and socially backwards well. and they have friends. <laughs> well, I mean, they might, but not Arguably. because I just homeschooled them. <laughs> yeah, definitely not. not be they're not so shy that they can't talk to people, right? right? Yeah. Um, but honestly, so when, as far as the pushback is concerned, I've had to learn to not be moved by that That's good. and just go, look, this is what I believe and this is why I believe it. And if it doesn't work for you, and like I said, there are some cases where I'd be like, okay, I mean, genuinely, you got to feed your family if you're, yeah. there's grace and mercy in right. that. Um, but of all the women that I've known that have followed that advice, whether forcedly or, you know, just, okay, I'm going to step out in yeah. faith and once they do it they've all like oh my gosh this is the hardest job i've ever had but it's the most rewarding job yeah. that i've ever had and that's good because i think you really just had to make a decision on what you want the sacrifice to be absolutely. right you're yeah absolutely because it's either you're either going to sacrifice the funds for example yes. in order to be able to have like the lavish whatever kind of and to be quite honest like most of the people making that decision aren't living a lavish life, right? right. For Correct. it to be for that kind of sacrifice to be worth it, right? Um, but either even so, like it's either the sacrifice of having to go to work or the sacrifice of being with your and paying the dues later, where it's like your kids grow up and they don't even know who their parents are, or using that sacrifice here, where you may not be able to go out and do the lavish things, right? But it. There, it's it's a better investment, right? Because then it's going to pay off once they're older. Absolutely. I've had I had one parent in particular that gave me a hard time about my parenting choices and staying home and et cetera. And I just, okay, you know, you, you do you. You raise your kids the way you do. I'm not going to condemn you like that. Right. At the end of the day, that's between you and, and God. Yeah. And then when both of our kids, because both of our kids are about the same age, and then when one of my child, uh, one of my kids <laughs> became... A teenager, this parent's teenager was like crazy, <laughs> beyond crazy. But because he had no boundaries, he had no parameters, parents weren't around. Mm -hmm. And my kids, although not perfect, right. none of them, yes, I'm throwing them all under the bus, not <laughs> one of them was perfect. The nerve of them to make me look bad. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but they were respectful, right? They were decent human beings, and I had this same person that for years gave me a hard time come back and say, wow, how come your child behaves, is such a good teenager and I can't seem to control mine? And it was everything that I could do to not bite my tongue yeah. to be like, seriously? Like all of those years <laughs> that you were telling me that I was doing it wrong and I, I didn't even go there. I, I didn't do the I told you so. Everything yeah. in me was like, <gasps> I'm like, you know, I'll be praying for you. <laughs> Praying for little Johnny. I will be praying for them <laughs> and you. And I don't, you know, people, your kids are going to be adults and they're going to make the mistakes that they're going to make too. But at the end of the day, I have to stand before God and answer to how I raised right. my family. And again, my biggest testimony is now we've been doing this for, you know, my kids are in their late 20s, early 30s. And I can say the fruit of what that labor is, I can look back and go, no, I see bad decisions. I've, we've told our kids too, like, hey, we messed up in X, Y, sorry. Yeah. You know, my oldest, we've told him, oops, sorry, you were the practice, <laughs> you were the practice child, I'm sorry. We didn't know what we were doing. We're, we're working on it. There's more grace on it. There's, there's more grace. We're sorry. Um, 
but at the end of the day, I have to be obedient to what God's called me to be. And all of the women, I can honestly say, I don't think I've ever had anybody that decided to prioritize their family mm-hmm. come back and go, man, that was a terrible decision. I should have, <laughs> I should have worked more. Yeah. Like not one. And this is 30 plus years of ministry. And I've literally, I've had people tell me they regret not being there for their kids. Mm. I have had people regret, oh my gosh, like the situations that they put their kids in because they weren't present. But I've literally never had anybody regret raising their own children. Not once. That's really good. And so now my question for you is, I can hear maybe people asking like, why is this relevant to me as a Hmm. single man? as a single woman, like, <laughs> why is this, con- why do I need to hear this conversation? What, what would you say to them? Absolutely. If you're single, that is the time to figure this out. Because when you are courting someone or dating or whatever you want to call it, those are things that you need to discuss. Those are things that you need to know. If you don't have those kinds of, oh, well, we're in love and we'll figure it out as we go. Like knowing what you want out of life, knowing what you want out of a relationship, out of a marriage, those are things, those are benchmarks or, you know, as we'd say, deal breakers that if you connect with somebody, but they literally have the polar opposite view of how to raise children, that might seem like, wow, we just started dating. That's like a big deal. Yeah, but you're head over heels. You're in this relationship a year and you're about to propose and the person has a polar opposite yeah. view. Like, yes, we compromise, but there's a huge difference between somebody that puts their foot absolutely down and says, I'm going to be a working mom and, you know, take it or leave it, or a guy that says, no, I expect my wife to contribute and to work. Honestly, I'm not even going to put that down. Those are your decisions to make, but you have to know what your decision is, right? Because we're about to put a ring on a finger, and that's when you find out that could be a really big problem. And later on in a marriage, it can destroy your marriage because one person has these ideals and the other doesn't, or vice versa. Yeah. And like I said, I'm not even saying these are sin issues. I've seen two parents families that raise kids and it's not my ideal but as a married couple you have to decide right yeah you have to be in agreement which is one of the things that we just talked about in the last episode where um the one that's airing thanksgiving actually um we talked about how at the end of the day it's going to be you and that spouse right absolutely standing together and then it's you individually standing before the lord obviously but at the end because there's so much a lot of people are going to have a lot of opinions, like you said. Yeah. And, but not a lot of people, not nobody else except you and that person is going to be in that marriage. Absolutely. And so um, I think that for sure puts like a holy fear inside of me. And I know that you're, um, you're very big on that about having like the, the tough conversations. But for <laughs> me, it's like, oh my goodness, like even having to come to terms with it within myself, right? Right. Um, and I know I'm not the only one that you've counseled in this way, but it's like you have to figure out what's important to you, and then from that place, the right person is going to be attracted to that, right? Because there's been things that, and one of the biggest lies that I think um, in ever <laughs> that we can buy into when it is to dating somebody is that it'll get worked out after marriage. Never. And I've seen <laughs> relationships crash and burn for that, 100%. right? And so how... How, I mean, you just you just stress the importance of doing that, like uh, of being able to do that. But so, what are what are a few questions that you would suggest that people ask themselves in their singleness mm-hmm. in order for them to be able to gauge what's important to them and what they need to find in a spouse? Yeah, well, I'm constantly saying that the enemy is in the extremes, right? So you have these some people that are like, "Oh, we're in love." Mostly, you're in lust because it's just a physical attraction, <laughs> yeah. and everything else will work itself out, or I'll fix him, or I'll fix her. And that's a lie. When you're dating, isn't that when you're the most, like, I'm trying to impress Oof, this person? Like a job interview. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And then you've worked at the job for a year and, you know, things Show up start slipping. Makeup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. But so you're, if dating is when you're, like, showing off. Yeah. And then you're thinking, oh, it's going to get better after we're married. <laughs> mm, that's not realistic because what other area in your life does that yeah. work out with? Um, but asking yourself, really, what are your core values? Because like I said, the other extreme of that is micromanaging that they have to, you know, and I've heard people do it. I don't know that it's worked out completely of putting this infamous list. And I know we've all talked about it. Look, Wait, do you like the list or do you not? It depends. Okay. 
<laughs> I, it depends because I think that you do have to have standards. Okay. Yes. Of you do have to have non-negotiables. Absolutely. They're saved. They're you know they have a job. I mean, there's certain non-negotiables that yeah. I think you should have. Yeah. Um, they're respectful. Whatever. Even getting once you get a little bit deeper, what what are our values on raising children? Mm -hmm. What are our, do we even want children? Like you can negotiate somebody that's like I want two, I want four. Okay, we can maybe yeah. compromise there. Somebody's like I absolutely want no children, and this person's like I want ten. I don't think that that's a resolvable yeah, no. thing. So. Yeah. A list in the sense of like these are when you're praying about what should I ask myself like genuinely what are your core values like this person needs to love Jesus yeah that is a fair requirement list you know standard yeah. whatever you want to call it versus if he's not wearing you know this brand of shoe and this color hair and does right. that make sense yeah. like so yes I, I'm somewhere in the middle of that if you should definitely have requirements you should have standards yeah. um but micromanaging a list that i'm not necessarily a fan of unless only of those things that are literally deal breakers yes yeah. right yeah and if those things are all literally deal breakers for you then you might have to be okay with being single the rest of your yeah. life because there's not a perfect human being in the world so if you've got such a list that it's so um detailed yeah if that's really, I'm not going to be happy until I meet this guy that meets these 300 requirements. You married okay, to Jesus, girl. Then you're married to Jesus because <laughs> Jesus will meet those 300 yeah. requirements. I mean, it sounds funny, but it's true. Like right. if you're genuinely, I can't be happy unless they have these 300 things. Okay, well then you might be alone. And I guess that's fair if that's what you want with your life. Yeah. Um, so again, back to that, that list depends on what you're what's on that list yeah and i really do love the, that you called it your core values right because yeah. honestly uh, i think if i even were to ask my beautiful director here like <laughs> caitlin i don't want people to think it's ramsey and i'm calling him beautiful <laughs> <laughs> um if i were to ask you like and sorry i don't mean to put her on the spot but like what are your five core values there would be a little bit of thinking behind that right like we're not I mean, even me, like I wouldn't be ready to answer that right away. Right. And that can definitely be such a detriment because when the person comes in that you may be considering, it's like, well, now you start shaping your, it's the potential is that you start shaping your values according to that person. Correct. Yeah. And that's where you get into the muddied waters, right? Because right. now you're tailing yourself too. Right. So that's where you have to have those things that, yes, list core values. You have to have that, the standards. So that you know what to eliminate right off the bat. Yeah. And so I am a big proponent of having the hard conversations of, you know, where do you stand with Jesus or premarital sex? Right. Because you go in and start dating somebody and they're like, well, I'm a believer and I don't understand that mentality. But, yeah, we've been together six months. You're head over heels. They're falling in love. And they're like, well, you know, we've been together this long. Well, if you don't know where they stand on premarital sex, uh, that could make for an awkward. And then you're already... Yeah tied in right being whether you're the male or the female yeah. in the relationship you're already heart tied and this person's going well i'm not quite ready to get married but if you want to stay with me Ugh. like let's make sure that we match in bed right uh we should have gotten that out of the way way yeah. earlier even though it's a really tough conversation yeah. even six months is a generous timeline because nowadays well, it's, yeah i mean but no but i get what you're saying i was just being no you know you're, you're you yeah. are correct <laughs> but somewhere along the er, way earlier even though it's super awkward, we should know where we stand yeah. on those kinds of things. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, and it's so hard. Honestly, like, to all of our listeners, we know that Christian dating is very difficult. Absolutely. Because it, it literally goes against every societal rule that's out there. Mm -hmm. You know, like the having the tough conversations at the, at the very beginning. <laughs> and, of course, within reason, like, you're – Although I know some people that have gone on the first date and they're like credit score and all that. Okay, you know? relax, relax. <laughs> yeah, and so and from I'm not gonna throw myself under the bus, but I'm like I'm I'm very I can be very ducks in a row like that, right? And so then that's where I need the pillins of the world to come <laughs> in and be like, all right, relax, okay? So this is why we always push for the mentorship, the accountability, yeah. the um, having people people, and I say that lightly because we really you know. It's just hard because you can't have too many cooks in the kitchen as well. But yeah, not everybody gets to speak. Into not it. everybody gets to speak into yeah. it, right? And so, but it's so important to be able to have these conversations with somebody to be like, hey, maybe 
um, this is good, this is not good, you know, uh, because there is a lot of value in that. And so with all of this being said, we've, we've talked a lot about dating and courtship, and we've definitely used the word courting a few times in our other podcast. And so can you finally, for our <laughs> listeners out there that may be like, what in the world is courting? Can you define that, what that is? Yeah, I mean, I believe that the difference between what we would say traditional dating and courting is, is courting is more the way people used to get to know one another, right? It's got more the connotation of taking it slow, of getting to know somebody's family, of getting to know their friends, of going to their home, of not being alone together. Um, not because you're so puritanical that we're so holy and, you know, religious, but it's for the sake of getting to know the person as a well-rounded person. Mm. To me, dating has the, the connotation of hookup culture, right? Yes. Like we go on this date and we go on that date. And, you know, I see this guy or this girl and we go out a couple of times, have a, have a good time, go out and have a few drinks. And yeah. that I don't think is really getting to know the person, right? You're getting to know. And, of course, there's, you know, the dolled up version or the, <laughs> the dressed up version if it's a guy. And you're just trying to impress each other. And ultimately, in today's day and age, you know, within a few dates, to now let's see how we are in bed together. Yeah. Um, where courting, I feel, is maybe it's just semantics, but it just kind of, to me, slows it down a little bit, takes yeah. it more as holistically yeah. of who are you as a person. You really get to know who somebody is, is not just when they're, like, trying to come on to you when you're alone, but how do they interact with their friends? How do they interact with their family? How do they um, behave in a public setting? Yeah. You know, you're at church or you're with, again, friends and family. You really get to see a whole person versus just the little snippet of a date that they want, yes. to, that they want you to see. Yeah. Right? Like you go to their house and you may not be able to push their, their buttons or their triggers yet, yeah. but I bet their sister can. <laughs> and what does that look like, right? Yeah. So it's kind of, I feel like it's a slower process and it's a more holistic process and other people are involved for the sake of both sides. Right. And even for the sake of accountability, because if you're just always alone with each other, um, it can be a very false, a false perception of who that person yeah. is. That's really good. And you know what, because I can think of an example where um, I know somebody that went on like this kind of courting thing. And even though they were in the moment, right, they were in the date. And so it was the people around them, like, quote, unquote, chaperones, right, yeah. that were able to pick up on red flags. Yeah. And so then once the person, once they made it aware to that, because you also have to make sure, like, the people that come in are not just um, looking for the demise of the relationship, right? <laughs> but that can come up to you and be like, hey, you know what, like, this is something that I noticed in this person that may not be good. Like, yeah. I have friends that even tell me when I'm being the red flag, like, <laughs> you know, because that's also as important, yeah. right? And so, um, yeah, the courting, I think that's so good. Uh, it's definitely difficult. I know yeah. in conversations with Yessi, she told me that she's been like peeling, like courting sucks, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and, but look at how their marriage has paid off now, right? And so I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but it really comes down to the intention, right? Because Absolutely. I think in dating, it's like that immediate companionship, mm -hmm. while with courting is companionship for the future. Like, Absolutely. Is this person going to be a good wife, a good husband? Can I see them being a father yeah. to my kids? Can I see them being a wife to my kids? And so I think that's what allows the process to slow down. Like, I know there's a saying that you tell me all the time in Spanish where it says, mejor ma, uh, sola que mal acompañada, which mm -hmm. means rather be alone than in bad company. For sure. And so courtship really allows you to keep that in the forefront, right? Where it's like, okay, I need to make sure that one, I'm not with this person out of feeling in a void. Yeah. Right? Um, but instead, I'm with this person at something as the girls and I have hammered where it's like, it's going to be something that's kingdom-minded, right? Well, that's going to produce a kingdom legacy, you know? Absolutely. I mean, I've told people, and, I've, and I say it 10,000 times, and nobody believes me until after <laughs> it's too late, but it's fine. It's fine. I get it. Um, that I've, I've known people that are very sad, very lonely, very, you know, heartbroken. They're miserable from being single, right? Yeah. I mean, some of that to a degree is a choice, but there is miserable single 
But miserable married is 10,000 times worse. Mm. I have counseled people that are single and they, they want to be married and so they're so sad and they're, they're really desperate. Mm -hmm. But no matter how much they're grieving over that, I have never seen a single person grieve the same way that I've seen someone in a bad marriage grieve. Yeah. Because you're tied to that person. You've made a covenant to that person. You've given your, your life over to this person. And it's, it's an entirely different type of miserable. Um, and any married person that's miserable would, in a heartbeat, switch places and be, like you were saying, mejor sola que mala acompañada, yeah. like better alone than, than in bad company. When it comes to a marriage, that's not solvable. Even when I, when I counsel people, um, Yessie being one of the people, her and her husband, who are doing amazing, and that's such a blessing, but I know I'm, I'm sure I made them mad and other couples mad that I go in and I say it up front when I'm counseling people pre-marriage is, look, I'm trying to find everything that could possibly be wrong, not because I'm by nature a negative person, because by nature I'm actually an optimist, yeah. but when it comes to premarital counseling, let me find every stumbling block that I could possibly find, because you'll find more. <laughs> I will miss them, but every reason why you shouldn't get married, because if we can get on the other side of that, then you have a much better shot, because if me, with simple questions, can keep you from getting married. If one of you is going to tap out because I asked too many questions yeah. or I forced you to think about things you didn't want to think about, like if I can break you up, then you shouldn't have been married to begin with, That's good, right? Yeah. So people get frustrated in the process and I even when I give them a, a disclaimer at the beginning of like, yes, I am trying to break you up because the day after you say I do, the conversation is going to completely switch and I'll be like, you said yes to all of that. <laughs> yeah. And now you got to figure out how to stay married and we'll help you. But let's find the pitfalls before it's there. You know, when people tell me we're so in love, we've never had a fight. I'm like, then you're not ready to get married. <laughs> because all of you, no matter how much you uh, try to say otherwise, you're a different person when you get mad. Mm. You can oh. be the most calmest, mild-mannered person. And those people, they get to the end of their fuse and they punch a hole in a wall, or they cuss you out, or the, and you're like, what the heck? Yeah. How, you know, the axe murderer that they find people, and they're like, he was the nicest guy. The neighbors are like, we never saw it coming. And he's got berries, bodies buried under his house, right? Like, you don't know how somebody acts when they're mad. So you need to be able to have a fight, because you're going to have a fight, yeah. and be able to recover from that fight in a healthy manner. When I say fight, I'm not talking knockdown, drag yeah. out. Because first of all, that's your, there's your clue, yeah. we're done. Right. But... You have to be able to have a, a disagreement, a fight, and recover from that mm. to really know who the person is. Because genuinely, you don't know who somebody is until you've had a fight with them and that you can recover from that right. fight. That's really good. Um, I know, obviously, being under like your mentorship for like years, I know that that's been some of the hardest conversations that I have definitely have had with you where it's like, um, you know, you want to take the shortcut, right? Yeah, you want to sure. take the shortcut and... As I've I've shared before that I was that you tell me be careful which pond you're fishing in right because honestly it can be <laughs> the world is dying for attention like everybody in the world is yeah. dying for attention they want love and affection and as Pastor Adriana always says like the reason why we're always craving love is because that's where we came from yeah. right we came from a, a loving father and so um, that's definitely been one of like the most like bitter cries of my heart mm -hmm. where it's like having to stay in a place of waiting. Right. When um, when I didn't want to wait. Right. Yeah. When I wanted to forfeit. And so as but even so, like. I think you you've definitely taught me to find as much opportunity to get ready. And I know not just with me, like I'm just the only close example that I right. have, but I have a lot of other girlfriends that would say the same thing. But one thing that you've taught me is like, for example, um, I know that one of the things that you tell married people all the time is like, if that person's not willing to change, then how are you going to change? Yes. Right? And so... That's so... Everybody hates that advice, <laughs> by the way. It makes me very unpopular. If the other person doesn't change, what are you going to do different? Yes. And so... <laughs> <laughs> and you've definitely taken the opportunity to teach me that in jobs with parents, with friends, with... And so many different relationships that, uh, and of course, like, I'm sure once I get into that phase of life, it's going to be completely different. But I think it's worth the conversation to say that whatever trials or whatever things you go as a single person, like, again, going back to the, uh -huh. it's not going to be fixed when you're married. Like, 
rather learn those skills yes. right now, yes. right? Learn those skills and learn how to identify those things even within yourself, right? Because sure. I know that you're really big on even self-awareness where it's like, okay, well, yeah, that person maybe shouldn't have responded like that, but what made you respond like that? Right. And so in having, developing that self-awareness, like that knowledge of self or whatever, which sounds very new agey, so I hate that I said <laughs> that, um, really allows you to mature yourself, right? In, in order to be able to handle somebody else's stuff. I guess. For sure. I don't know. For sure. Um, okay, so we talked about dating, we talked about courting, and now I want to ask you, what are your thoughts on flirt to convert? <laughs> Um, <laughs> I know you're a big advocate for this. <laughs> and now I'm being misrepresented. <laughs> My name is Linda Enos, and I did not approve this I message. I did not approve that message. <laughs> did not approve that message. Um, I think it's a terrible strategy. <laughs> okay, wait, 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 wait. First, what is flirt to convert? Let's... Flirt to convert. Um, <laughs> you have no standards. You have no core values. <laughs> and you're just going to date somebody that you think is hot. With the hopes that you're going to convert them. Okay. Um, because you're just that holy that you can do that. You can fix them. You can fix them. Yeah. So refer back to my lesson that you can, <laughs> if the other person never changes, yeah. um, because we're back to the fact that if the person, let's say the person really does like you, right? Like you're on fire for Jesus and somebody really likes you. And I've had this happen multiple times where, oh, they started coming to church. Like, they're open to church, and they start coming to church. And I'm like, cool. If they're coming to church for Jesus, that's great. Um, because I have. But let's, let's be real. Has it ever happened? Yes. Is it more likely to happen that a girl follows a guy into church? Yes, because mm -hmm. men are naturally leaders. Um, the other way around, I've seen lots of men over the years come to church to impress a girl. And once he's got her, wants the rules to change again mm -hmm. and now at this point she's heart tied at this point she's you know head over heels and now she really wants to believe in i can change him yeah. um because you're heart tied right and he might be a great guy but all of those qualities that were not okay which is back to the core values and the infamous list if you don't want a guy that drinks you should start dating a guy that drinks the odds yeah. that he's going to give up drinking are slim to none right um, I've told ladies, I've told young ladies, women even, okay, look, if that's, if he's really coming to church because it's really a relationship with God, all I have to say is give it six months. Don't date him for six months. See if he's still coming to church six months from now. Mm -hmm. See if his relationship with God is real six months from now. Um, and then maybe think about it, mm -hmm. right? The reality of it is I don't think very many people have ever finished up the six months. <laughs> Uh, it's a pretty good benchmark, even when you're dating, right? Like we talked about before. After six months, you kind of start letting your hair down. Yeah. You start being more, you know, yourself. Yeah. Um, so you really don't know what somebody's like up until that point. But if they're not willing, if they're like, oh, no, no, I love Jesus, but they're not willing to come to church for six months, if you're not dating them, then they're coming to church for you, not Jesus. And then mm -hmm. how do you ever know? where that distinction is. And is that a perfect science? No, because I've seen people play it up longer and revert back to their old selves. People have free will, right? I mean, you could marry the perfect Christian and find out after the fact that he's a loser yeah. or yeah. she's a loser. Like, there's not a, I'm not saying that I have the magic formula, right. but even when you put all of these things in practice, um, things could go wrong. But if you put nothing into practice and fishing out of the wrong, oh, well, I don't believe, you know, I don't want somebody that's, I came out of an addictive background, but I don't want to marry an addict. Well, first of all, the enemy, the Bible says that the enemy will follow sins of the, yeah. to the third and fourth generation, the sins of the father to the third and fourth generation. I've seen a lot of men and women get involved with somebody that's stuck in addiction, thinking they can change them, but really it's just a generational curse, so they're familiar with that yeah, spirit. that's so good. And so they're like drawn to somebody that has the same addiction that they're trying to get away from. Yeah. And so, but they think they can change them. Usually girls, but sometimes it's guys. I just think you're setting yourself up for failure. If you're moving along, serving God to the best of your ability, I believe God will bring that right person. Um, and again, do I think it's impossible that somebody could meet somebody and get saved? No. But at the same time, 
too many of us make excuses. And I think it just happens naturally, right? Like you're going along and somebody happens to just get saved. Like I'm not saying that you, you know, everybody has to be perfect. Right. Because nobody's perfect. Right. But if they're not even trying and you're like, I'm going to get them saved, you're especially females. I know that sounds chauvinistic, but it's not. We were created to follow, right? So if you have a guy that's serving Jesus with all of his heart, first of all, he's probably going to be attracted to a woman that's serving God. But on the other hand, if she's in minorly serving God, it's in us by nature to follow. Mm -hmm. And we're going to follow him into the Lord more than vice versa. Mm -hmm. Men usually are like, eh, why do you think there's so many women... You think I'm wrong. Why are there so many <laughs> women in church whose husbands don't go to church anymore? Right. They're like, oh, I'm okay with the God thing, but they're not as serious. And then the women are like, why doesn't my husband become the spiritual leader? Well, you didn't marry a spiritual leader. Exactly. And from the very beginning, you were okay with taking that lead for Absolutely. yourself. And Absolutely. And so it's like, you can't, like you said, like, if you're, uh, one thing that, you told, that you've told me and that I know you said to other ladies, it's like, if, are you okay with marrying the person for who they are right now? Correct. Right now, in this very moment, are you okay with being with that person forever? Whether they change or they don't change, like, because this is what you're saying yes to, right? Yeah. Uh, obviously, like, you grow and evolve together, but you can't come back and say, why didn't, like, I, didn't. I thought that was in change, or right. we had, like, no, you had to be okay with that person with where they're at. And so that is, is so difficult, right? Because there's sure. so much, there's so much risk that comes with that. And I've also seen the other side of the coin where women are like, or men, right, where they could be like, well, to me, it doesn't matter whether they come to church or not. Like, they're okay with having this life apart from that. Yeah. You know, and thinking that that's going to be okay. But I've also seen how when kids come into the picture, yeah, it, now it turns into a whole thing because, well, this person has their idea of how they were going to raise their kids without having to be, like, religious or whatever. Right. While this person was like, well, no, like, I want to baptize my child, like, blah, 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 blah. So... <laughs> It, it's so scary, and it's it, because we make these lifelong decisions based on temporary satisfaction. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's really heartbreaking. And, again, I will never get tired of saying mentorship, accountability is so key. Because um, I was just telling somebody, I'm like, I, it's so important for me to put people in places where I'm weak. You know what I mean? Because yeah. And to trust it, because it's one thing to place people in areas that you're weak when you're kind of just coasting along. But once you're in the situation, sure. and now their advice is starting to sound like things that you don't want it to sound like, Yeah. That uh, I'm sorry, that's where the mentorship comes in, right? Yeah, well, and that's even where courtship ties in, right? Is it goes back to that. When, you've got, when you're around a community of people, not because it's some creepy cult or whatever right, yeah. but of, out of relationship of having one another's back and, yeah. and seeing blind spots we've all had that friend that everybody could see that who they were dating was so the wrong person yeah. um but it's up to that person ultimately whether they're going to listen listen to you and yeah. um just to rewind just a smidge because what i said about because i don't want somebody to take this and run with it yes Oh, well, I'm a guy, so I can date some girl that's i can do the flirt to convert <laughs> thing i like after I said oh, that, that's I a like, good point let yeah. me let me I'm not saying that that's a good idea even for guys. Yeah. I'm not. I'm just saying that women naturally follow male leadership. But if you're chasing some woman that, like, has no desire to serve God, you're not going to back to if that person never changes. Like, you're saying yes. You're saying I do to all of that. Right. So, sorry. I just needed to put in that disclaimer. Because when we stopped, I was like, wait, that sounded like I was condoning it in the case of men. And I wasn't. It was just an example that if it was possible, it would be more likely that way. Yeah. But everybody thinks they're the exception to the rule. And let me tell you that you're not the exception to the rule. Yeah. You're welcome. There's rules set in place <laughs> for a reason. And I don't like them, but <laughs> they are a safeguard. I just keep thinking of like the Proverbs, right? Where it's like my son, um, like where your mother's advice, like uh, pretty much like jewelry and he to your to your father's advice too, like. The Proverbs are so key when it comes to that, because even as you were saying, like, as men, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's easier, because even it says, like, men are led astray by the immoral woman. Absolutely. And so what's an immoral woman? It's obviously somebody that's, like, sexually explicit, whatever, all those things, but also somebody that's not found in the inside of God, somebody that will lead you away from the Lord. And so 
I'm not saying that there's because um, like you said, we've seen I I can think of one off the top of my head that's worked out that way where the man was the one that led her into the church. But even so, it still came with its baggage. Absolutely. You know, I and, mean, look at Samson and Delilah, right? Like oh, Samson yes. was a prophet and a judge. And it was a woman that not only derailed him from his calling, but also at the end of the day was responsible for his death. Yes. Yep. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a very real thing. Yeah. Oh, so scary. And there's so much attack. And I think, like, I, it's worth mentioning that there's so much attack and there's so much weight on all of this because who you end up with matters. Like, Absolutely. And it, it, it's, it's not just companionship. It's not just partnership. Like, it literally is, as I, the word that I used before, it really is a legacy and it really is kingdom-minded. Uh -huh. Like, as we mentioned in other podcasts, like, the story of marriage is the story of Christ and his bride and Christ and the church. And uh -huh. so that's why there's so much uh, of perversion that goes on in marriages Absolutely. because um, people fail to realize that the story of marriage really is a testimony of Jesus in a lot of ways. And so um, I think expressing the weightiness of it, of choosing the right person, and I'm not saying flawless person. No, not at all. Right? I'm seeing the person that God has called you to be with and be like, yeah, this is uh, one of the things that I love about um, Yesi, I don't even know if they even remember, but she said that when Andre said that he wanted to pursue her, one of the things that he told her was, I think that we can be a very powerful couple together. Yes. And so I remember when she said that, I was like, huh, it, it stuck with me, obviously, to this day, because I'm like, he wasn't just seeing it from a place of um physical attraction or you know it's time for me to be married like he saw the godly purpose in it yes you know what i mean and even seeing the things that they're doing now like yeah they are a powerful couple and so for him to have that foresight it, i think it really allows people to fight through the obstacles and the challenges Absolutely. right there will be always always yeah and what's crazy to me is that people are willing to put up with challenges like in work areas and in other situations but for some reason they think that in this area it's different because we have a whole society though that has been geared at breaking up the nuclear family and mm -hmm. i i don't find it a coincidence that we had all these traditional families and then it was like we went through an era where you don't need a man and yeah. the whole feminist movement really destroyed the identity of marriage right yeah. that women need to work outside of the home and women are only valued when they can bring in a paycheck and or based on their physical yeah. looks versus being a team versus being like we're working together at growing a family and yeah. having a destiny. I mean, that was the original mandate. Let's roll it all the way back to Adam and Eve. It was like, exactly. go, be fruitful, multiply, like go get married, have children. Yes. Like we came so far away from that. And even in the secular world, I mean, I see a lot of even political commentators and like you were mentioning Candace Owen or mm -hmm. Charlie Kirk or they're like basically telling people, whoa, roll it back, like find a wife, get yeah. married. You know, again, the enemies and the enemy of extremes. I'm not for 13 year olds, 14 year olds dating, <laughs> yeah. but then people are saying, okay, I'm not going to date or I'm not going to get married until I'm like in my late 20s, early 30s. Right. Well, the enemy has been really good. And then some of y'all don't know whether you're boys or girls or who knows <laughs> what. So we're really destroying families, it's but crazy. then we're raising children yeah. that don't know their identity. So it's really all about identity. Yeah. And if we're not getting married, I believe it was Candace Owen was talking about the fact that by the time you're in your late 20s, early 30s, the dating pool is kind of slim at that point yeah. because the people that were kind of pairing up down here in the you know early 20s, but we, even myself, was like, yeah, like I got married really young and I want my kids to not you know struggle the way I struggled. Mm. And that is one piece of dating advice that I wish I hadn't, I think I enforced it so well, but my kids waited till they were a lot older. Yeah. Um, and I think we did a disservice to a lot of people because mm. it's in the struggles that Rob actually, Rob and I became closer. We were young and yes, we struggled. So I was trying to help my kids not have to struggle as much as yeah. I did. But it was that struggle that bound Rob and I together. That, yeah. By the time you're in your thirties, you have your identity. He has his identity. And now we've got to like these solidified adults. Yeah. We have to learn how to compromise. And I feel like that's probably harder than when you're a little more yeah. fluid when you're younger. Yeah. But that also means that you have to maybe sacrifice. You live in a little apartment. Right. You don't have to have a you know, two-story house and live in the same neighborhood your parents lived in after they've been married for 30 years. <laughs> right. Like We put these expectations on, well, and I don't know how many people are like, well, 
you shouldn't be sleeping together. Well, we can't afford to get, we love each other. We can't afford to get married. It's like, okay, first of all, what does that mean? Because <laughs> you seem to be able to either live together or sleep together or whatever, yeah. but we can't afford to get married. Okay, well, maybe you can't afford the house in the suburbs with the white picket fence, but you can afford to live in a one-bedroom studio. Like, yeah. what does that look like? Yeah. So afford, you know, and I, I totally appreciate if the couple can get it together. And I know that the guys are, you guys had that conversation about being financially stable yeah. and that looks different for everybody, right. right? If you have the maturity, okay, I'm going to have my home. And that's commendable. Yeah. Even the Jews, like the, the husband had to have the house ready for his wife. And I think that's super commendable and I'm all for it. Right. But on the other hand, if you're going to be sleeping together and you exactly. have no self-control, it's like, well, we're, we're going to sleep together until we can afford to get married. <laughs> that's what I'm talking about. I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with right. I. I think that's great. Get yeah. financially stable, but also experience self-control. Yes. People are looking at it like it's either or. It's like, mm, does that make sense? It's yeah. like, well, we're not getting married till we're financially stable, but in the meantime, we're going to play house. It's like, again, it goes back to where do you want the sacrifice to be? Right. And what, what do you want the consequences Correct. to be? Right. So, yes, financially stable is very, very important. Yes, it really is. Uh, okay, so we're going to start wrapping it up a little bit here. So let me check if, mm -hmm. <laughs> so obviously you're a mentor to all of us, if not most of us at, on the panel. So um, as a mentor, how would you tell somebody like, it sounds kind of weird, but let me just ask it the way that it's phrased. How should one approach leadership for mentorship at church? I feel like you're just going to say uh, ask. I know, right? Uh, ask. I mean, there is that. There's ask making yourself available. Um, yeah, I mean, sounds kind of basic, but I think it's more than just ask. It's also making sure that you're in a place where you're going to actually submit to that authority. And I don't mean, again, I'm so cautious with that because right. it sounds like, you know, some weird cult thing yeah. of like, you have to get my permission for everything. I hope that you've never felt that way. No. Like, that's not my thing. If anything, I over ask you. I yeah. Like, I, <laughs> at, at the end of the day, I don't want to have that be a stigma. Right. I want to be an accountability partner. You know, people pay all kinds of money to go to Weight Watchers just to stand on a scale so somebody could say you ate one too many donuts. <laughs> right? Like, but it's about your heart position of like, are you genuine? Do you want to grow? Do you want to, um, do you want more out of basically your patterns and what you're doing with yourself? More out of your life. I hate to say more out of your life, but more expectation out of yourself. Well, it really is that though. Like it really is more out of your life because I, I think it's, it's probably uncomfortable for you to say because you're using, you're using it out of like a you, right? Like, right. But in the grand like, scheme of things, that sounds really arrogant. <laughs> yeah. But in the grand scheme of things, like it is the truth. Like I know that we're we're talking about it from like a dating scope, but right. me, the moment that I came under mentorship is a moment that my life flourished. I'm not saying it was easy at all, uh, but it definitely has made my life worth it. Right? Where that's the reason why I can advocate for it so much. You know? Yeah. Um, all of us, because we've seen our life so much more out of our lives in comparison to our counter our counterparts i always say that contemporaries right um that have not had mentorship and it's very difficult yeah. because then they like we're all hearing somebody's voice one way or another true it's either going to be somebody that you've chosen to be a part of your life or it's going to be things like newscasters right yeah. it's going to be the music that you listen to like Music is mentorship. If that's right. all you listen to, it's, oh, it's for literally sure. feeding it's into shaping your soul, you. right? It's shaping you for sure. It's the reason why um, if you're alone with the opposite sex and all of a sudden like a song comes on, like all of a sudden the mood changes, yeah, right? Yeah. And so it's like, you know, it sounds so crazy to think that you have to pay attention to all of these things, but it's even more crazy to just let life happen to you. Absolutely. And even the most successful people in the world have people that they are accountable to. Yeah. Mentorship is about more is about accountability and also thinking, okay, like that's somebody that, that I want to learn from, that's somebody that I can, you know, take advice from. A lot of people didn't have good parenting yeah. growing up. But even if you had great parenting, at the end of the day, it's still different listening to your parents yeah. than it is listening to an objective party because your parents 
like my own kids. Like Shekinah is my kid. Yeah. At the end of the day, I'm her mom. And that's different than being her mentor. And she's going to take the advice differently because it's still read through the lens of that's my mom, <laughs> yeah. you know? Yeah. So I respect that. Like I know that she's got other spe people that speak into her life. Mm -hmm. And I totally advocate for that where she finds it funny because some of her friends yeah. come to me. <laughs> you know, she's had experiences where, you know, she had somebody else tell her, oh, well, I don't know if I can do that. Let me ask your mom. And she's like, what the heck? You're asking my mom. Like, she wasn't even asking yeah. her mom, right? She's like, why are you asking my mom? Yeah. But it's kind of that neutral third party, right? Because mm -hmm. I am her mom, so I'm invested. Whether you had terrible, again, if you had terrible parents or great parents, it's great to have an objective person speak into your life. But you also have to be ready to, to um, do the work that it takes to, to follow through even when it's hard. Yeah. Because if you're not, if you're not ready for that and you don't want somebody speaking to your life, then it does feel controlling and it yeah. does feel manipulative. And I never want to be that. Right. You know, I am more than willing to get, to give advice. And if you don't follow it, like that's honestly between you and Jesus yeah. or whoever it may be. Because otherwise, then that's a responsibility on me that I'm going to walk around needing therapy because mm. of all my rejection issues, right? Because you didn't listen to me. Right. <laughs> we don't want that. We don't want that. <laughs> then I'm going to need more help. And I yeah. need plenty of help all by myself. <laughs> so, yeah, just finding finding that balance of having a neutral party speaking into your life, a godly party speaking right, into your life. Right, Key, godly party. <laughs> um, okay, last but not least, what – I'm going to phrase it two ways and you can decide the way that you want to answer it. So okay. the first one – or the first phrasing is, what is your number one piece of advice or two, what do you want to leave people with in this? Wow. Okay. My number one piece of advice is that the only person that you need to impress, for lack of a better word, is the Lord. Hmm. That all of the other decisions that you make in your life, whether it's who you're dating or who you're mentoring with or what you do as a job, mm -hmm. that you have to be okay with what God calls us to do. Jesus said, I only do what I see my father doing and I only say what I see my father saying. And that's a really hard statement. Yeah. Um, I, there's a lot of people out there that are like, oh, live your best life. You know, that's not what I see. Yeah. I see scripture saying, pick up your cross and carry it. It says, die to yourself. Like, the rich young ruler said, Jesus, I've done all of these great things. What do I need to do? Sell everything you have and follow me. Like following the Lord is the most rewarding thing. I don't want to make it sound like this horrible, terrible thing. Right. It's the most rewarding thing because when I'm willing to give up everything, he is going to give me more than I can back, more than I could imagine. But even that in the midst of my enemies, right? Everybody yes. comes, even non-Christians at funerals. <laughs> Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, right? I will fear no evil. But it says... And he will prepare a banquet for me in the midst of my enemies. Yeah. We like that he'll prepare a banquet for me. We don't like the in the midst of my enemies part. But if I can keep my focus on my focus is Jesus. Yeah. And that's who I'm doing. I'm living life, not to live my best life. I'm living life to do what he says. Then all the rest of it starts to fall into place. Because when I make decisions about who I'm dating, would this please him? Mm -hmm. When I'm making decisions about my job, will this please him? Yep. When I'm making decisions about my friendships? Mm -hmm. Or if I'm going to go to a club on Friday night, would this please him? Mm -hmm. And if I can keep my eyes on what would please Jesus, then the noise of other, well, you should do this, or you're just being religious, yes. or you should, da, 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 or, oh, that guy's great. I don't know why you're not going out with them. All of those voices, they may not go away, but they're more quieted. Yeah. Because I can have peace going if somebody did. If you don't like me, that would be your problem. If right. you don't agree with my advice, that would be your problem. Yeah. Not arrogantly, right. but I have to please Jesus first. Yeah. And if everything else will fall into line from that place, your husband, your children, your how you're raising your children. I got all kinds of backlash for how I raised my children. Yeah. But did I please God in how I raised my children? Right. And now even, I mean, all of your kids, they like sing your praises all the time. You know what I mean? Like even sh I can't wait for this. It's just so funny. Like, God is so good because even this episode that just released on Thanksgiving is Shekinah just retelling stories. There's a story that she retells of, like, her growing up. And so it's genuine. You know what I mean? Like, it's yeah. literally the fruit of um, the sacrifices that you guys made. And, right. again, it's choosing what your consequences want to be. And so thank you so much. I think that's hot fire. 
um, especially for a lot of new listeners that may be um, thinking, you know, maybe new to the Christian dating scene, maybe new to Christianity themselves. Yeah. Um, that's always the greatest gauge is like pleasing, pleasing the Lord, trying Absolutely. to find pleasing the Lord. And then everything else, like it says um, in one of the Psalms, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. So the more that you find your joy and happiness inside of Jesus, the more that um, he gives you the desires of your heart because they become one with his. And yeah. so I love that piece of advice. And thank you so much. Thank you. Once again, for being, I, we know it's not the first, I mean, the last time. So everybody, thank you for tuning in thank for you. Who's in the Vine. <laughs> Finally, we get to put a face to uh, P. Lynn. Um, so yeah, we hope, we know that you've been blessed by this, but be sure to send us in your commentaries your questions, your feedback. We would love to hear from you. Make sure you download this episode um, for inthevine.dating and tune in this Thursday for the follow-up episode. We're so excited to be able to uh, just share what the Lord is doing with you guys. So thank you so much. Have a good night. Oh, and don't forget, pray for your single friends. It's hard out here. <laughs> Thank you for listening. If you liked this episode or we answered any of your questions, or you have a question that you would like to be discussed in future episodes, let us know in the comments or share on social media. You may also email us at inthevine.dating at gmail.com. And don't forget to visit our website for more information about our upcoming events on inthevinedating.com. And be sure to hit subscribe so you won't miss out on the amazing content and guests we have lined up for you. Shalom and God bless.